This interview took place on the Tuesday point on January 14th, 2020. For a little context, the interview started with a song called High Women by the High Women. It's a very powerful and evocative song, and it does make our host, Bruce, emotional. Enjoy the interview, and you can find more information about the Women's March, which we discuss in this interview, by Googling or going to Facebook and looking for Central Oregon's Women's March. So um, I wanted to open with that song because it's so evocative. Uh, It's just a powerful and beautiful and heartbreaking, really, song. But it's so evocative to me of the oppression uh, of women. We'll hear a few more of the the frames. I I get emotional by this, and um, I'll just jump right to why this is so powerful and why I'm so glad to have you, Janet, and hopefully uh, uh, Joanne. Joanne just poked her head in, so very exciting. Now we have both of them. Um, And I just really believe I'm going to go right to the the bottom line here, uh, that uh, only women can save us where we are right now. Men have had our chance, (laughs) like, at least 5,000 years, and we've kind of blown it. I hate to say, maybe I'm going to get some some hate mail for this. I don't know. Um, not that not that we don't have a role to play. I mean, we got we got work to do. But I just feel like, um, yeah, we, we're going to have to let women take the lead. Well, um, we've so go we've ahead. lived in a male dominated culture for far too long. Uh, as was pointed out a couple weeks ago, women didn't get the vote till 1912 right. here in Oregon. White women. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That, that was that's Joanne. <laughs> and, and that's why Welcome, we do Jan. have both Joanne and Janet. So um, we have coming up the Women's March, and I'm, I'm gonna we're going to stop the male voices here in just a second. Uh, we do have the Women's March coming up, and uh, that's the reason uh, Janet and Joanne are here to talk to us, and hoping we'll get a chance to uh, talk about uh, lots of other issues, uh, well, the reasons for the march, that sort of thing. So um, let's start. Uh, Janet Yorandi Gonzalez is the, are you the executive director, founder of Mecca Bend? I am the founder of Mecca Bend. Mecca yes. Bend, okay, a new organization that yes. uh, looks pretty promising and exciting. Thank you. And then Joanne Mina here is with the uh, Latino Community Association. Uh, very happy to have both of you. Um, so uh, let's start, I guess, Janet, can you give us the sort of the, quick rundown about the Women's March, and then let's talk about some of the issues, and we'll come back in more to more detail about when, where, et cetera. But if you can just go ahead and start and tell us what's happening. Sure. So the fourth annual March will take place January 18th in Redmond, Oregon this year at Centennial Park. And uh, the focus and the center of the uh, issues that we're focusing on this year is the underrepresented groups that exist within Central Oregon. And that includes the black women, women of color, the indigenous and native women, the Latinx women, the femmes, and queer women also. Okay. And it seems that since the election of 2016, we the, the big sort of um, signature piece of resistance or big public has been the women's march right i'm wondering either one of you here why do you think the the women's aspect of this resistance rose up so quickly and is has been so uh so important well i think we have to start with acknowledging that the women's march when it first started it was a white women movement Mm -hmm. and so I don't know that I'm qualified to uh, to answer why they felt driven to take action. 
you know, it could have been uh, the comments uh, that the president made or just a sense of wanting to be seen and heard in disapproval of this misogyny happening. Um, but, yeah, you know, I really don't know. I mean, I really hope it's that. <laughs> I can tell you that women of color have been in the struggle, in the resistance, way prior to 2017. Right. Yeah, that's... I Actually, I'm going to put in one nerdy fact, and then I'll try to avoid doing that as much <laughs> as possible. But um, there's a lot of... A lot is said that, that women are the reason um, when Democratic candidates do well, that the belief is that women are the reason. And the actual reason is not women voting for Democrats in, in huge numbers. It's women of color, right? right. I mean, right. that's really, if you look at the statistics, right. that's, that's how it's different. I mean, right. statistically, so, yeah. if you look at it as a whole, if you look at the voting block, the majority are female votes. Um, within that same voting block, though, if we differentiate, you know, the white voting block versus the black women or the women of color or the Latinx, you know, there, there, there are statistics there that show that these other groups form a majority of that part of that voting block. And so it's essential for us uh, as women of color to represent that voting block and to have our voices uh, also heard in the same struggle that other women have. Um, to touch on the point of why perhaps this movement started um, after the administration, the current administration took over, Again, we can't speak to that because we're not white women. We can speak to it from our own perspective, however. And I think the key is to remember that a lot of times these issues that affect women of color don't affect women, white women the same way. And it isn't to say that your struggles are less than ours or less important. It's just to say we have been battling these things far before 2016. All right. Can you give us uh, some... Examples, and there's two things I'll start with. Um, examples of, uh, Joanne, you mentioned women of color being involved in the resistance long before 2017, right? Um, can you give us some examples? Absolutely. Well, I think that um, we are going to be able to march because of women that already did the work for us, like Coretta Scott King, uh, Fannie Lou Hammer, um, my personal favorite, Ida B. Wells, mm -hmm. you know, she is the reason why we know so much of the history of the South and what happened to black folks there. Um, so it's only a privilege to then be able to um, have a march that centers those same issues uh, and the issues of indigenous women, of Latinx women, of queer women. Um, so, yeah. And... You also mentioned some some of the issues that uh, women of color face uniquely or differently from from white women. Can you talk talk about a, a couple of those? Well, we talked about the right for uh, you know women to vote. Um, that was true for white women, but that didn't happen for black women. And we can talk about the suffrage movement and what that caused and what that effect that had um, on women of color and white women. Um, as Joanne mentioned, though, these these women that kind of led the led the way and kind of cleared the path for the rest of us to be able to step up and say we are a part of this 
nation. We are American citizens. We get to vote, too, and our voices should be heard and should be valid, you know, for those reasons alone. And the 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 movement of what's the traditional, you know, feminist movement uh, did include some of that. But I think it left behind a lot of the other smaller misrepresented or underrepresented groups like the Native women that their voting rights didn't come into play until the 50s. I mean, that that's a huge gap of time in between when white women felt we did it, you know, we finally made changes, you know, we're moved, we're shifting the needle. However, there's still this group that said, hey, what about us? Right, so uh, bringing us forward now to the march again, it's being organized primarily by women of color. Is that is that correct? Correct. Okay. We have a, a really nice, diverse group. Yeah. And um, why is that important? As you mentioned, women of color are considered the base of uh, many times democratic uh, precedents, but our issues, the issues that affect our community, are not the ones that are at the forefront of campaigns, nor are the forefront of the actions these uh, people in power take. So with us reclaiming this march, we are making sure that the things that matter for us are at the forefront. If you want to count with our vote, you better vote with us. That's all we're saying. <laughs> okay. Marching with you will help, I assume. Absolutely. <laughs> <On> Saturday. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's – I'm struck by, by how powerful that is. And I actually wasn't aware, honestly, um, that it was – that the, the march was uh, being um, organized primarily by women of color. And so we talked, Janet. So yeah. um, I, it, it's really exciting um, – you know, I, I think I, I wanted. I, I guess I want to get into more, a little bit more about, um, and maybe this is just my own like thing, a pet issue at this moment. It's important, I think, but I really do believe. I, I'm not just saying that. I really do believe that leadership of women is is it, it, it's. We're going to have to. That's going to have to happen, right? right. Um, maybe, maybe this is a, a question. How can men support that? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a really great question. And, and I think a lot of men are sort of at this standstill um, in where they're at and, and feeling um, not defeated, but maybe feeling overwhelmed and saying, I see all these women rising up. I see all these women that are you know taking a stand and are saying, listen, you're no longer going to um, sexualize us. You're no longer going to objectify us. And, and they feel like I can't even talk to women. I can't compliment them, you know, et cetera. We've all heard this. And, and that is because of the culture of misogyny that we have experienced in this country for centuries. Um, the, the way I think is the easiest and most simplified way for me to say this to men um, is that we are not against you. We don't hate you. We don't want to berate you. But we do want you to join us. And by doing, you do that by supporting us. And silence is what we need. We don't need male voices speaking for us. We just need you to march next to us. 
I'd go a step further and, and say that uh, in the long run, it may be the women and children that actually save the planet. <laughs> well, and, and we look at uh, what's happening across the globe. Look at the Amazon and look at what's happening in Chile and Argentina and Brazil. It is the indigenous women of those countries that are the protectors of the rainforest. And they are making this movement, this huge movement that's gaining so much traction across Latin America because they know it's their, their children's future at stake. Yeah, it's a lot easier when money's not so deeply involved. And, and you know, ultimately, it's the money that gen- generally sours most situations, Absolutely. at least from what I've seen in oh, South yeah. America. Yes. So what do you say to um, people who, and, and they're out there, right? It's obviously not, they're not in this studio, <laughs> but they're out there. And that is that, uh, oh, you know, the equality, women's equality, that, that's done. Right, women are equal. We don't need to. I mean, why? Does that make sense? I mean, there are people. I, I guess sort of that's in that same line of some people think that there's no more racism in the United States. There's no more misogyny. Uh, what is your response to that? I think that it's important to listen to those affected. Uh, it's important to listen to those that are at the center uh, of impact. Um, so that then we can learn. As Janet was saying, it is important that uh, people listen uh, to women. Um, so we encourage everyone to step into allyship, you know, to step into that place where you are willing to self-evaluate and self-reflect in what part do you play in oppression. I think that when we look at Latin America and women fighting not only to protect their communities and the environment, but also to protect democracy, it is important for us here in the United States to see how are we colluding with those that are oppressing them. Money, right? Money is a big factor. But our silence, our uh, not wanting to see things or staying comfortable may put us in a position where we're colliding, where we're in collusion, right, with those um, that oppress. Um, And we are in this boat all together. This is one planet, and it is important that everyone takes a moment to be accountable. Absolutely. I I have to agree fully. I was going to say, I think the statement that we're all going to have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. It's it's a a hard push. you know, I hate to say it's an uphill battle, but it is to some degree because we have become so, uh, we we don't look at history. And I think now we know more than ever before that history has a, a distinct effect on what's going to happen today and tomorrow. When we, when you mention we, I think that we have to be very clear on who that we is, right? And it's important that uh, we talk about race. Because for communities of color, we have been telling our kids to watch out, to be careful, to cuidado, you know. So we have been uncomfortable for a long time already. So we, this group of white community members, are now kind of understanding and getting the information available to them so that they can um, make different decisions. So, yes, it is an uncomfortable space for all of us because we are now having these conversations where many times people of color, women of color, are asked to, to teach, to lead, to, 
tell us that information that we don't know. What is that experience like? Um, and so that can also be very taxing. Um, so one of the things we're really introducing with this march is the concept of allyship and how folks can become aware of their privilege and leverage that privilege to be in solidarity and in support with marginalized groups. Okay, thank you so much. We're gonna, we need to take a quick break. Uh, sorry to break the momentum here. When we come back, uh, we'll continue talking. I uh, would like to explore the allyship more, if that's okay with you guys. And then, of course, they're going to tell us exactly how women are going to save the world. <laughs> I'm <kidding>. obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, obviously kidding about that part. Let's talk about uh, allyship a little bit and the march that's coming up. Um, this is so important. And can you, either one of you, have a... I'm just going to have to let let you. I can't make a question right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk about five steps in identifying oh. what allyship means um, for um, for white people oh, and for women of color also. And then that's maybe wonderful. Joanne can expand um, okay. on those areas. So the first step is identify the racial justice organizations in your area. Look for places that are fighting the injustices within Central Oregon. And there are a few. And perhaps they're not as well known, but they're out there. Um, so identify that first. Um, then explore the distinction between actors, allies, and accomplices. And we can get into that topic, um, but it's way too in-depth. So look up some information. Find out the difference between actors, allies, and accomplices. Um, and then act. You know, don't just know the knowledge. Act upon it. That's that's an important um, step. And and join. And, and join in, in what's happening in your communities. So I think the biggest key is awareness. Yeah, allyship... <clears throat> So it can be also defined as a lifelong process of building trust, consistency, and accountability with marginalized groups. Uh, it's not self self-defined, right? You don't get knighted into, you are now <laughs> an ally. No, it's actually a continuous work. Um, I always tell folks that allyship is when you take your knowledge and you use it to be in solidarity with somebody else that has less power than you. So that means that in one moment, you can see something and take a stand and be in that place of allyship. And the next moment, you can be self-absorbed and not see something and just be a bystander, right? So it is this action that we take when we decide to center the needs priorities and values of those that are not in a position of power like we are all i can say to that is amen it, yeah. it uh, really is a, a big step for a lot of people to go from being a bystander to getting involved because uh, i've done my fair share of protesting and marching and uh you just you know you can no longer sit back and watch people suffer yeah. it just yeah becomes overwhelming. I think that's one of the greatest advantages of social media today is that we have all of this information so easily accessible to us. And now we're seeing this instant notification, this instant, um, you know, viral video, whatever it is, posts where we see racial injustices happening throughout the world. And it's created, I think, in a lot of people more awareness of, okay, you know, this is actually happening. You know, that may maybe there is racism in America. You know, these are things that we have been fighting for for years 
and through generations of our own families. And so for people to finally come to the realization that there there are groups that are being targeted. There are groups that are being discriminated against. There are hate crimes are on the rise. There are so many issues that are affecting the, the, the people of color and these other groups, such as the queer and the trans groups. You know, it's time to step up. It's time to not just watch it happen, but to actually act on it. Yeah, I <clears throat> I plan on being there. I live in Redmond, and it's much like uh, a lot of the other commitments I've made. And I'm going to throw in a... a a uh, picture for democracy now if it wasn't for watching democracy now and watching the headlines every morning i wouldn't know what's going on right. in south america because it's not covered that well by the mainstream media no you're not going to see it on the no. nbc news and this sad this sad sad thing is that our leaders are being killed they um there's a journalist in Chile uh, that was taking pictures of everything that was happening and the injustice and the people losing their eyes, and she got killed. You know, same thing in Colombia. There is a, a resistance group of, um, in the Valley of Cauca, um, and they are trying to fight these mines, trying to exploit their natural resources, and also she got killed. So. We, we, we really implore you that you take this opportunity to step into allyship. We all need to do the work of finding the information, of centering somebody else's needs besides our own. Yeah, I, I think that it's safe to say that there isn't a 30-day period that goes by that a journalist isn't killed in Mexico or South America. Right. It's Absolutely. so common. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I think that journalism might be the mo one of the most dangerous occupations today, mm -hmm. and certainly That's in true. South America. Yeah, certainly there. Uh, so I am in my head seeing multiple shows. <laughs> Just yes. based on the things we've touched on today, I, I hope we can. I hope we can do that. I I, I feel like um, if people were listening to that discussion of ally allyship, that was uh, that was just amazing. Like going to school on that, that was really great. <laughs> so I, I do want to bring us back to the march a little bit. We got a couple of minutes left. It's in Redmond, and I'm wondering why Redmond. Oh my goodness! I yes. want to answer please, that. Please do. Why Ben? <laughs> that's a better question. Yeah. Why Ben? Gemini yeah. yes, Christmas. I've had this question presented to me more than once. What makes Ben the center of Central Oregon? What makes Ben the capital that represents all of us? It is extremely selfish to think that Ben is the place to have the marriage. Um, if anything, uh, when we first got together, the first thing we knew is that we needed to take it out of Ben. Yes. We needed to take it out of Ben. Why? Because if we keep having this march here, we're not going to see what is happening outside of our Ben bubble. We, we needed to shake up the order. We needed to to call attention to the areas such as Redmond and the outlying areas that were not being presented or represented and brought in. Um, we're 60 miles closest to the Warm Springs Reservation. And I don't think that the organizers, and, and, I, and I in no mean, do not mean any disrespect to them, but they were not taking into consideration the transportation from mm -hmm. 
Warm Springs, from Madras, from Prineville. Um, and that was another huge um, factor in that, not only what Joanne spoke to, but also to say we need to make it more accessible to more women because we don't all drive four-wheel drive vehicles and we don't all have access to an extra tank of gas. You know, mm-hmm. these are issues that, again, I think are kind of in the back of our mind and we weren't aware of them. Yeah, it's also important to point out that Redmond right now has a push to have equity, diversity, and inclusion as part of the values that they use to uh, create government. Uh, The city manager had a working session uh, last month to talk about how equity, diversity, and inclusion can be implemented within the city and Redmond and how that... uh, knowledge base can support the work that they're doing. Uh, so it's important that we Bendites show up for yes. other women in Central Oregon that are doing the work and they're doing the battles. Um, we just need to show up in solidarity. That's allyship too. All right. That's great. So we, we're just about out of time. Can you tell us again when, where, et cetera, for the march? Yes, Saturday, uh, 10. We, we're gathering at 10 a.m. The march officially starts at 1030. We'd love everybody to be there a few minutes early. We're going to have a nice uh, rally before the march. Um, Redmond, Centennial Park, um, across from City Hall, very easily accessible. Small march through downtown Redmond and ending back again in Centennial Park um, with a celebration for women. And I want to stress, this is a nonviolent, peaceful, family-friendly event where all are welcome to support women of color. All right, that's great. Thank you so much, uh, Janet and Joanne, for joining us this morning. Uh, I really do hope we can get uh, these two back in here in some combination to talk about some of those great issues. We're going to have to go. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcasts at kpov.org.